We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How we doing tonight? Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Up and rolling. That guy's Vince Fidario with the cool Irish breakdown sign in the background. I'm Sean Styers with the still cool looking, but it's <laughs> kind of a banner hanging on my wall. Yeah, my, my flag has matriculated to my office at school, so it is hanging on the wall in my office. All right, so you've got it as a backup, like if you ever need to do the show right. at school, you've got, you've got your background already. It's there. It's ready. It's ready. Just in case something goes down, breaking news. Need to make it happen. Ready to go. Very good. Very good. It is mailbag day, as uh, it says there in your chat. So bring on the questions for tonight. Glad to have you. I, I see a few questions in here. You know, I always just wait now until Salty says you are on the clock, Sean. And that's mm-hmm. when pretty much when we start the show now. Pretty much. Yeah. He's got my countdown clock for me in there. So. How late were you guys on doing the uh, the college football playoff show last night? It wasn't bad. It was about an hour, so till eight thirty. We went on at seven thirty. Went till about eight thirty, so it wasn't too bad. Were you surprised at all to see Notre Dame come in at number twenty? I was pleasantly happy. Yeah, I want to say because I I put a range out there. I was like somewhere between like twenty two and nineteen. I think is where they should fall, and they fell at twenty. And so that made me happy uh, as far as where they ended up. I think that gives them a an opportunity to get where they need to be uh, at the end of the season. If you you know have you are if you have your eyeballs on like a New Year's Six, for example, or or something along those lines, or at least a top tier ACC bowl, then that's where you want to be. You want to have that opportunity. And I think and we talked about this a little bit on last night's show. I think that. The committee will overvalue Notre Dame going into the USC game if both teams continue to win because they need to prop up a Pac-12 team to make the playoff. And a win over a potential top 12, top 11, top 10 Notre Dame would only strengthen USC's resume. So I think that's a possibility uh, moving forward. I think Notre Dame could be the beneficiary of an inflated ranking And then when they beat USC, that can only help them. Yeah, and I mean, it helps Ohio State for that matter as well. For sure. You know, like if Ohio State needs any case strengthening at the end of the season. And and if Ohio State, of course, is in the college football playoff conversation, that means they have beaten Michigan. You know, I'm talking about the end of the season after the conference championship games and and all that. So it's really, you know, for them more about what seed they would potentially get if they stay undefeated and and all that kind of stuff. But you're sure. absolutely right. I, I think that that does, you know, it it strengthens others. And I, I'll say I was a little surprised to see 20. I thought maybe 25 through 23, considering okay. the three losses, who the losses are to, and, you know, just just the whole thing, everything that they've been through to, to get to that point. Now, granted, again, you know, it's a big win, and, and I'm sure that the glow of beating Clemson definitely helps them out sure. but, i mean they've throttled the top two teams in the acc now at different points in the season so you know i i think you know 
It's good. And there are some Notre Dame connections. You know, Boo Corrigan, the chair well, of this whole thing. I, I don't know if if Notre Dame, if our our viewers slash listeners even know it. You know, he's Gene Corrigan's son, the former Notre Dame athletic director, mm-hmm. former ACC commissioner. He actually grew up here in South Bend. He went to your rival, South Bend St. Joseph, back in the day. And oh. he was, yeah, you know, before before he left, he went. He was here for several years as an assistant athletic yeah. director, left here, was the athletic director at Army for a few years. And now, of course, he's the athletic director at NC State. And you know, so he's the guy who's the chair of this committee this year. See, I, I think you could make you could make a case that Notre Dame should actually be higher based on the teams that were ranked around them. Uh, you know, if we're really breaking down the numbers and Boo Corrigan said himself, it's about who you've beaten, not who you've lost to. Well, that only helps Notre Dame's case, right? I mean, because their wins are obviously way more impressive than who they lost to because their losses are really, really bad. But, like, for example, your rival, Kansas State, they're 0-3 versus ranked teams. 0-3. Yes. I think Notre Dame has a case to be above Which them. Which I love. <laughs> I know. I figured you might. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised that Kansas State is still as high as they are considering yeah. that. But I, I guess the thing for them is – they're, you know, one, they've, their losses are to rank T. It's kind of the inverse, you know, like sure. if Notre Dame had beaten, you know, Marshall and Stanford, but lost to a couple of ranked teams, could they maybe even be a little bit higher right now? Because at least you're, you know, I, I don't know. Kansas State, I guess there's a case for at least a little bit steadier track that they've had. And that's probably why they're still ahead of Notre Dame right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are or Kansas five, State, I'm sorry. But yeah. There are five teams in the top 25 that have two or more wins against top 25 teams. Notre Dame is one of them. Interesting. So there is that. And again, you can make these numbers do whatever you want them to do. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, you know, the, the teams with two wins over top 25 teams right now are Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, LSU, and Notre Dame. Now, does that mean Notre Dame should be the fifth ranked team? Of course not, right? But it does mean that they play up to their competition and that they're doing a good job against, you know, highly ranked teams and all of that. So it's just it's an interesting it's an interesting stat. Right. And and Notre Dame strength of schedule is pretty darn good. And, uh, you know, their game control number is pretty good. So as long as Notre Dame continues to win, they're going to climb up the rankings because there's a lot of teams above them that are right. going to lose because they play each other. They've got a chance to you know, to, to go from unranked to number 20 and you've still yeah. got three weeks left with a top 10 USC team sitting there at the end, they've got a really good chance to be a top oh, yeah. 12 team and go to a new year six bowl when it's no all doubt. said and done. Absolutely. And the, and I kind of mentioned this, I think I mentioned it to Brian off the air after we got done. The problem with this year is there's only one at large bid because the Fiesta and the peach are both semifinal games. 
So you lose some of those at-large bids because all of the other bowls have tie-ins. So, for example, the Rose Bowl, Big Ten versus Pac-12. The orange or the Sugar Bowl is Big 12 versus SEC. The Orange Bowl is ACC versus either Big Ten, SEC, or Notre Dame. Right? So Notre Dame has a chance to get in there, but then they would play an ACC team, yeah. which might very well be a rematch because it might be North Carolina, could be Clemson. You don't know, right? And then the Cotton Bowl is the best non-Power 5 team, which right now is Tulane versus an at-large that's Notre Dame spot right now if they get up that high would be the Cotton Bowl against Tulane that's not going to get too many people's juices flowing yeah I thought I'd just go ahead and throw we are not Marshall's question since we were addressing it as he was Mm -hmm. saying it yeah he probably finished typing that as we were saying it but uh yes they have a chance it's just the problem is there's just not as many at-large bids as there normally are yeah and yeah. so that is going to hurt them. There's no doubt about that. And I, I mean, if I'm being honest, yeah, you could go get your elusive New Year's Six Bowl win against Tulane or UCF or one of these non-Power 5 teams, or you go to, like, the Gator Bowl and play an SEC team. Which, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, which would right. you rather have right. from a competitive standpoint? I don't know. I think that's a good... It's a good rapid fire question there, Sean. I think well, which right. would you rather have? You know, a, a lower tier game against a good SEC team or a New Year's Six game against a non Power Five? Yeah, exactly. Because the non Power Fives aren't great this year. You know, you don't have a Cincinnati right now. You know, the yeah, that's true. Is Tulane? Tulane they're playing UCF. One of those weekend. is going to go this week. Yeah, they're yeah. both ranked. One of them's going to get knocked out. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting this year, for sure. I want to start with this one. Sean Stewart, how much will Cerberus eat against Navy? I had to double look at that word there for a minute. Tyree Estime Diggs, you like a little Greek mythology? I think that's Greek mythology, isn't it? Cerberus. (laughs) So how much is that three-headed monster going to eat against Navy this week? I get it now. I'm there. I'm I'm here. You know, I think they're going to eat pretty well, to be honest with you. Now, Navy does have a pretty highly ranked rush defense. Their pass defense is putrid. See, and I was supposed to talk to the Navy guy today. Bill Wagner, he's a guy that I've talked to for probably going on 20 years now because there's (laughs) like two Navy guys out there. (laughs) But he had some schedules. I'm still trying to get that hopefully tomorrow because that's the question I'm going to ask him. They're giving up only 88 rushing yards per game but they're ranked 114th in pass defense, giving up 275 a game. So my question is, are they really that stingy with the run defense, or is it just because everyone knows they can throw against them? You know, So most people aren't even trying, especially with today's offenses. So that's kind of what I want to – I would think that that they're still gonna Cerberus run the should be able to eat pretty good. They're, they're still going to run the ball effectively, right? I mean, yeah. the – you, you can't really compare Navy's run defense versus like Clemson's run defense. And we all saw what happened last week. So I feel very good about Notre Dame's run offense versus Navy. I do think they are going to throw the ball a little bit more as well. I mean, whether it's to practice or whether it's to get better at it or however you want to look at it. Right. I think, I do think Notre Dame will, will throw the ball a little bit. They're not going to need to. There's usually such a mismatch in athleticism yeah. and size with you know so many of Notre Dame's receivers against Navy's defensive backs that you know you can just kind of play target practice a little right. bit you yeah. know, but uh, yeah, so I'll be interested to see kind of how they go about that. I would think that they're going to start by just trying to pound it and see what happens, but we'll find that out Saturday afternoon. Tyler with a super chat. Do you think the college football playoff committee wants USC or Oregon in? It's a good question because I did some research today about that very fact. Okay. And the pro well, not the problem here. Here are the facts, right? Oregon. Let's say that they don't lose again. Right. Right. Then they are the PAC 12 champions. They have one loss, a blowout loss to Georgia. To open and, the season. Right, to open the season. This is a Which long gives time them, what, ago. 12 wins in a row at that That's point. correct. 
and dominating wins throughout, I would say, for, for yeah. the most part. And you've got wins over ranked teams of Utah, USC, UCLA, I believe, off the top of my head. Uh, do they want them in? Uh, see, it's, see, it's hard for me. It's hard for me. And, well, the composition of these committees is different from year to year. It's not like you have the same people sitting on this committee year after year. Absolutely. So like they have history with like, well, we haven't had a Pac-12 team forever. You know, so like how much does Boo Corrigan and the rest of this crew go? Well, look, it's been, what has it been at this point? Six, seven years since I think it was Washington was the last Pac-12 team that made it. Like, do they place a priority in trying to get essentially representation from all parts of the country? Like it's been so long since the Pac-12 has been in. So, like, do they place a priority on that by going, well, it's better for the sport if we get a Pac-12 team in now and then? I don't know. I think that they're trying to get the four best teams. So, I don't sure. know how much that is on their radar. But, you know, I, it also just goes to what you're going to get from a from a 12-team playoff when, when you're getting right. representation. You don't have to worry about it with just selecting four teams. When you just talk about USC or Oregon, the committee is going to want USC. They bring the LA market. They do all of the different things that USC. Oh yeah, like Southern California. Yeah, if this you. is an either or situation, yes. they would obviously rather have USC. Uh, yeah. See, I was reading it as like, do they want a Pac-12? One of them to represent <laughs> the Pac-12, basically. Right. Like, do they want whoever right. the Pac-12 champion? Because I think yeah. at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that we probably see Oregon as the Pac-12 champion. I. That's where I'm at. Okay. Right. I would lean that direction. And that means USC has three losses. So they're not going to be part of the conversation. It will be Oregon. Now, are you and, are you counting on Notre Dame beating USC when 100%. you say three losses? Okay. Yes, because they already have a loss to Utah. They would lose right. to Notre Dame, and then they would lose in the Pac-12 championship to Oregon. But I like how you're just writing that off already. <laughs> like, like yeah, that's right. a given. Well, they'd have three losses. because They'd have three. <laughs> so they're not even part of the equation. So now you're talking about a one-loss Oregon team. Yeah. Again, if the if the committee has its choice, they definitely want you. They want a one loss USC team over a one loss Oregon team, and obviously they would play each other in the Pac twelve championship. So, yeah. And I think a one loss USC team gets in. Really, I do. That's interesting because their loss, yeah, their loss is not even close to as bad as some of the other losses that are would be out there with teams that they would be competing against. So, But the other part of that is they would have basically, what, one and a half quality wins, something like that. You know, they wouldn't have that many. They would have a quality win over UCLA. I haven't looked at it. They would have a quality win over UCLA. They would have a quality win over Notre Dame. That's true. That's true. And they would have a quality win over Oregon. I forgot about UCLA. I mean, they've still got to play. I mean, that's... Uh, they might have four losses when it's all said and done. Yeah, but yeah. if they can run the table, right? They they'll have quality wins under their yeah. belt yeah. for sure. True. Gavin wants to know if we think Drew Pine's accuracy and confidence issues stem from not being able to see over his line. He seems to be better outside the pocket. I would say that is way overrated as far as an issue for Drew Pine. I don't think that has anything to do with anything. Um, yes. Does it, do, do they knock some passes down? Yeah. That has something to do with it. Obviously that, that hurts his completion percentage. Okay. It has nothing to do with his confidence level has nothing to do with his accuracy when balls get past the offensive line, the defensive well, line, and they aren't anywhere near the receiver. Yeah. I was going to say there are too many times when he has clean looks at the receiver, you know, whether he's throwing out to the flat or wherever it happens to be where he just throws the ball on the ground. You know, right. he just looks to his left and throws the ball on the ground or right. throws it over somebody's head or he, or he even has a clean pocket and, you know, he overthrows somebody downfield. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that he, you know, is a little bit shorter and, you know, he's getting these balls batted down, that's an issue. And Marcus Freeman said earlier this week, he's got to clean that up. There are different things yeah. that he can do, movement in the pocket, you know, to – to figure that out. 
I think that's his biggest issue being short, you know, <laughs> it's, sure. it's just the fact that, that guys are sticking their eye, you know, they're, they're smartly yeah. sticking their arm up at the line of scrimmage and batting his passes down. I think that's the biggest thing. I don't know. I, I don't know. We're just seeing an erratic quarterback. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's yes, he's getting balls to. knocked down, but I don't think that has anything to do with his confidence. Right. Right. He got balls. knocked I think down. His, I think his confidence is because, he doesn't make some of those easy plays early on, and then it starts right. playing with his head a little bit because he can be an emotional guy, as we've talked about. Right. Okay. Speaking of which, Milton fan, I know DP is no Joe Montana, but he does have one loss. Uh, lead team to victories over th- led team to victories over three ranked teams and takes shot after shot and doesn't stop. Do you think he deserves a little bit more credit? I do think he deserves a little bit more credit. And I've talked about this before, you know, if you're going to play for Notre Dame, obviously there's a level that you have to perform at. But at the same time, this was not a highly recruited guy. He was offered a scholarship by Notre Dame. He accepted the scholarship. He does work hard. You know, he's worked hard for the last three years to get to the point that he's at and it's it's not from lack of effort it's just that his talent level you know isn't i'm just being honest i'm being pragmatic about this his talent level just isn't what you expect of the starting quarterback at notre dame so i can't hold that against him he's doing everything that he can you know to to the to the best he can there's some things that he needs to clean up but yeah i don't i don't i don't hold it against him and you know like I think some of that has to be factored in when we're talking about, you know, Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman and and all that whole stuff. At the end of the day, they've put together the season they've put together with the backup quarterback for all but two games. Now, as people have properly pointed out, Tommy Reese is the guy who recruited him. And, And as we've talked about, there needs to be an uptick in quarterback recruiting, but I don't hold it against Drew Pine. Drew Pine's doing everything to the best of his ability, I think. So I think there's still some room for improvement from Drew Pine. I yeah, will say I, that and I'm the, not saying yeah, yeah. From, and I and I think that his ability level can get him there, right? Like like we've said a bunch of times, I don't think because we've already seen it right. at that level. Drew, just, Drew Pine you know, is not the Drew Pine we saw against North Carolina. Right. That, that, that's not who he's going to be consistently, right? And but he's also, I don't think, the same guy that has played the last three games either. So there, there's a happy medium in there someplace that I think he needs to get to. Now, I think he get, he he undeservedly so gets a heck of a lot of crap from people, right? And so I think from a from an overall standpoint, he deserves more credit. I think I've given him the pro- proper amount of credit, right? I, I, I do. I, I've praised him when he's done really well. We sure. picked out when he hasn't done well. We have too. I mean, we yeah. jumped all in on the Drew Pine hype wagon there Absolutely. for three weeks. And right. <laughs> I would also say that I would not use the word he led the team to victories. He was a part of those victories, but I don't think you can say he was leading the team in those victories. That's the right. only part I would push back on in this particular question. You know, it's like Brian Kelly said when Notre Dame went to the national championship in 2012 and Everett Golson was a quarterback. He wasn't driving the bus. He had a nice comfy seat on the bus. Right. He wasn't driving the bus. Drew Pine's right. not driving the bus. Okay. That offensive line is driving the bus. And, you know, and we can talk about other things as well. But Drew Pine's doing what Drew Pine, and that's why he got the game ball, right? He's getting credit. He got the game ball, the offensive game ball, because he didn't turn the ball over. He had some gutsy runs. He had a nice pass to Michael Mayer for the nail in the coffin. He did what he was asked to do, and they won the game. And without saying he was a game manager, Marcus Freeman basically said he was a game manager because he talked about (laughs) changing protections and all that. But that's something that gets taken for granted as well, is the ability. Because, like, one thing that we, you know, we've seen Drew Pine throw some interceptions, obviously, but we still haven't seen him just make like the dumbest looking play that like, right. Again, someone of his skill level, you might expect to see, but again, it's because the kid is in the film room all the time, you know, like he's grinding film all the time and trying to compensate for the fact 
you know, like people like to talk about, well, he's got a noodle arm and those kind of things. No, he doesn't have a rocket arm. He can't get it downfield like that. But he's trying to use what's between his ears to help make up for the fact that that he doesn't, you know, quite yeah. have that same, you know, that 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 skill level. And I think that that has been a big factor because what I was going to say is like we haven't seen him make that just confounding, completely stupid you know, like right. taking a dumb sack, you know, getting strip sacked, you know, because he's standing in the pocket too long, doing those kind of things. He's he's yeah. generally making smart plays. Absolutely. It's just the consistency and the accuracy that he continues, you know, needs to continue to work on. Absolutely. And no one and on this channel, at least, has ever questioned his moxie or his toughness right. or any of that. I mean, the kid's tough as nails. I mean, he's he's proven that week in and week out. And no one will ever, ever question that. No, no, not at all. Antoine, Notre Dame beats five top 25 teams with two who were in the top five. Orange and Cotton, if Notre Dame is nine and three, won't take another team who hasn't beat two well, top teams. Well, they don't really teams. have a choice. That's the that's the issue here, right? right? They, they are contractually locked in. With the conference affiliations. Certain teams. I mean, that's just the way it is. Now, could the college football playoff committee maybe change the rules? Maybe, but like in the rules, it says, for example, the Orange Bowl is ACC versus Big Ten, SEC, and or Notre Dame. Notre Dame cannot take the ACC spot in the Orange Bowl. That is in the contract. Right. Cannot. Right. They can take the other side, but then that gives you a game that they probably have already played. They're not going to do that. They're, they're not going to have... North Carolina, Notre Dame, the rematch. Like, that's never going to happen. So, uh, I mean, it could. could. I it's mean, not it, completely out of the realm of possibility. But I just, I doubt it. I just doubt it. Because, like, if, you know, yeah. like if it comes to Notre Dame or TCU against, you know, sure, Clemson or North Carolina, who would you rather have? <laughs> right. Well, and, 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 and if other- Notre Dame is ranked higher, and I think that that's what it would take, then they could conceivably sure. do that. Because you're talking. You are talking in that game, okay, the winner of the SEC, I think we can all assume, is probably going to be in the top four, right? And possibly the second, a second SEC team. So the third SEC team would be the team that they would take in the Orange Bowl, right? There's yeah. no chance that they're going to take the third Big Ten team. There's no no chance of that happening, right. in my opinion. Right, Okay, Because exactly. there's two good Big Ten teams, and then there's everybody else. And you can say what you want to about Penn State being ranked like 14th or 15th. They're not taking Penn State in the Orange Bowl. Okay. So you're talking the Big Ten is out. The SEC, you're looking at probably maybe even LSU potentially in that spot. Um, I mean, like you have options in that spot from the SEC or Notre Dame. It's yeah. possible. It's definitely possible. But I don't, I don't think it's likely. I agree. Shannon wants to know if there was ever a point in the game Saturday where we felt Clemson was going to stage a comeback and stymie the Irish. I think uh, Benjamin Morrison, pick six, sealed the deal. What do you think, Vince? <sighs> was there ever a point in the game on Saturday where you felt Clemson? I'll just say this. No, and I've, the answer is no this. for me. I, I was still uncomfortable when it was 21 to nothing because wow. Notre Dame – Notre Dame had not, you know, they they still weren't finishing offensive drives. And so when it was 21 to nothing, I still felt uneasy. But as I'm writing my story after the Morrison pick six, you know, and this is, you know, it only, it makes it 28 to nothing. But I remember writing, you know, something to the effect of, you know, Notre Dame, you know, like, like they finished it off, basically. They, they put the game away with that pick six. And that was, you know, was still plenty of time to go in the game because Clemson scored two touchdowns after that. Notre Dame still scored one. That was still what relatively early in the fourth quarter, I think. So I just felt uneasy, you know, fair. but again, it was, it was mostly like PTSD type stuff because we haven't seen Jesse and I, I think we're talking about this yesterday. We haven't seen Notre Dame go for those kill shots where they were completely willing to put a team away, like keep on stepping on the throat and just put the game away. Marcus Freeman I think that was really big for Marcus Freeman. Like when we talk about Marcus Freeman as a head coach, his willingness and want to do that, to to completely leave no doubt 
and not downshift and just say, well, we've got the lead yep. now, you know, let's, let's, let's change what we're doing. So right. that's what I felt like when it was 21 to nothing, I still had a, just enough uneasiness still. I know this is going to sound super homerish, but as soon as <laughs> Notre Dame returned that block kick for a touchdown, I never felt uneasy. I never felt uneasy. I just didn't. I, I, again, I just felt watching the, the first two series and then Notre Dame scoring on a special teams play. I never felt uneasy. And to, to your point, Sean, when it was 21 to nothing, old Clemson teams, I would have felt uneasy. Clemson had done nothing offensively to make me think that they could score three touchdowns at that point. No, I mean, you're right. But Clemson had also, Notre Dame had five punt blocks going into that game. Clemson had four block kicks going into that game. So, like, that was also in the back of my mind. Like, well, you know, again, Notre Dame's not finishing drives. Yeah. And this is also a good, you know, this the, the team you're playing is also good at blocking kicks. So, like, one of those plays could have easily swung some momentum. But, obviously, Clemson was ne never able to come up with that. Right. Yeah, for sure. All right. Interesting question from Salty. True or false? Ooh, this past weekend will be seen as the moment when yesterday's dynasties announced their decline, Bama and Clemson and Notre Dame's dynasty <laughs> announced its rise. I, I think it's a possibility, right? I think it's a possibility, but that's going all that. That's, that's, that's going way out there. And, and I don't even think that we would be able to definitively say that yes or no for like a year or two. Like you could look back and be like, you know what? There it was. It was that weekend that they, you know, things started to go to the other way. Right. For both of those. I I would love for that to be the case. I I always am a fan of new blood at the top, as long as Notre Dame's always there. Uh, but oh, man, it's possible. Well, so, I mean, like, I know that's we were talking yesterday for. about, you know, the the comments that Paul Feinbaum had about little oh, this is the beginning of the end for Nick Saban in Alabama and, and all this. Well, he's still recruiting, you know. He's still pulling in pretty nice recruiting classes. Yeah. So is Clemson. Maybe not quite, at, you yeah. know, at that same little bit, but they're still getting them as well. And really the only thing that's kind of changing that dynamic is now you've got Marcus Freeman in here who is starting to recruit at this elite level. Texas A&M, whatever you want to say about them, you know, with all the craziness, you know, like they got the big recruiting class this year and, I think it was like four players in the, in the freshman class, part of the big NIL group, got suspended and all that. But obviously, Georgia's, you know, so like other schools are obviously starting to pull the 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 elite talent in some other directions. So maybe that's kind of, you know, brought Alabama and Clemson down a little bit. I think we're seeing it a little bit more with Clemson, obviously, than Alabama. Because, you know, like I said yesterday, Alabama lost to Tennessee on a missed field goal at the end of the game. They lost to LSU on an extra point in overtime. So it's not like they're getting dominated in these games. Right. They were right down to the wire. They're they're a couple plays away from being undefeated potentially mm -hmm. still. So I agree with you. I mean, I think that that is – I don't think I'm quite willing to go that far just yet. That's that's yeah. a year or two down the road before right. we can and really it, say that. And it's like a look back situation. It's like, okay, where did the decline start? Can we pinpoint the beginning? It could be this weekend. Yeah, I mean that would be awesome that Notre Dame would be a part of that kind of a thing, uh, and and obviously a part of their own ascension, right? It's possible, <laughs> right? Larry wants to know if there's any chance Brandon Joseph comes back next year. I think that there is a chance. I don't know. Like this would be a great question for Ryan as far as what his draft stock is currently. I don't think he's had the breakout, not breakout, but like the All-America season that he was hoping to have when he came over from Northwestern. I think we all hoped that he would be better than he is. Now, that's saying a lot because I think he's been very solid for this team, but he's not been an All-American. He hasn't been Kyle Hamilton, right? And I think that if he comes back for another year, he might be able to cement himself and do better in the draft moving forward. I think it would benefit him. Now, will he take that opportunity or was this just a one and done situation in his mind when he came here and that you can't get him off of that? But I think there's a case to be made for him to come back. He said when he came in the door, he wanted to be like Kyle Hamilton and be a first round well, draft pick. 
That's and not going to happen. I don't. So if that's happen. really his goal, that he you know to come here to become a first round draft pick, he's still got some work to do. You know, I, I'd be, I'll, I'll be curious to see. And you can only, I think you know they can only put in so many names for the draft evaluations and okay. stuff like that. But I would be curious, like if they, you know, if they put his name in, what that value, you know, because basically I, I think it's it's like first round and then you know like second third yeah like is the next grade and then the, the next like, one is basically go back to school, to school. Yeah. yeah go back to school you suck no yeah um but yeah yeah and you, you know then the question becomes do you want to risk injury versus if you've got some kind of grade that says you're going to be able to play in the nfl next year just take your paycheck and and see what happens yeah you know? so i mean and you I'd call it 50-50 maybe right yeah, now. Really, it's I just agree. dependent on how highly he values actually, you know, the chance to be a first-round draft right. pick. Is that, like, do you need that next to your name? Or can you go get a contract, play your contract, and then play for your second contract, which yeah. is where which is where all rookies, I mean, that's where you make your money is in your second contract. I mean, right. because it's But there's all, obviously more guaranteed money in that first-round pick than, than there is being a third-round pick. Um, Thomas, do you think Pine will have 25 or more pass attempts? If they have to have 25 pass attempts against Navy, I don't think that's a good sign. If I'm being honest with you, I, I don't, I will say under, I, I think, I don't think he'll have that. And if he does, I don't think they're playing a very good game offensively. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I think you're exactly right about that. Because like, when you look at Saturday's game, if Drew Pine can go, nine of 17 and they are able to beat Clemson. I don't see the formula changing when you're playing Navy. You know, I think that they're going to try to stick with that same formula against Navy. There's no reason to come off that at this point. I don't, I don't see them throwing the ball all over the place. Yeah. There'll be some play action, you know, things of that nature, which is fine. But yeah, if they're, you know what though, if I'm going to nitpick last Saturday and we haven't done a whole lot of nitpicking, do it really. I was shocked at the way they were running the ball. And there were still, again, when you're running the ball like that, there were too many times they weren't even using play action to to try to set Drew Pine up when he did make those 17 pass attempts. You know, it's like when you're when you're dominating on the ground like that, why aren't you showing a play fake? It yes. Just, you know, I mean, again, that's a nitpick, but I think it's valid, especially if you get into a game that is more competitive than that, which you would expect that you would have at some point. Right. And and we've got some comments in here. You know, the past game is Navy's weakness. Brian said Navy has a good run defense on paper. Yeah, they do. Look who they play. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry. If Notre Dame can't run the ball against Navy, then they've got bigger issues. So Right. Again, they give up 88 yards a game on the ground, 275 through the air. Is really bad. Are those numbers that skewed because they're really that good against the run, or are they just that weak through the air? And that's the question that I want to ask the Navy reporter when I get him. Hopefully, if I get him on tomorrow. (laughs) So that's yeah, I know. (laughs) Because you know you can look at you can look at a stat sheet and see that right, and it's like ooh, 88 yards a game. But I mean. That's about what Clemson was giving up too. <laughs> so exactly, and Notre Dame put two sixty something on them. So yeah, I, I don't care that that's what they have. I don't care. Anthony wants to know if the potential draftees sit for the bowl game. Depends on the bowl game. Depends on the kid, uh, because there are a numerous amounts of draft eligible players that could very well leave. Obviously, Michael Mayer leading the pack there, and Isaiah Foskey. I think I said this in one of the games uh, or one of the game, one of the shows earlier this week about, uh, about Michael Mayer, everybody around him is going to tell him to sit and it wouldn't surprise me if he played like that's, that's how I feel about Michael Mayer. I, I, I could be dead wrong on this. Uh, but you know, we had what two sit out and it was a new Year's six game last year. You had Kyle Hamilton, who I totally understand. You had Kyron Williams, which I don't understand as much. So if you are a guaranteed lock for the first round, peace be with you. I get why you're going to sit. Notre Dame, do they have a lock in the first round right now? 
Foskey, I think I've seen it in some mocks. Michael Mayer, obviously. Uh, other than that, I would say they should all play. But, yeah. yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No, I mean, I, I can't disagree. It, like, should they play? Sure. Will they play? I, I think every year it's going to be, unless you're in the college football playoff, I think every year every team is going to be, you know, do they play? You know, do they sit? Do they play? All that kind of stuff. It's. I think the only thing that makes it interesting with Michael Mayer is this is a guy for, you know, like as big as he is, that is, he's, he's kind of dinged up, you know, like there are, you know, there, there are, I think like minor things that we don't know about all the time. Like, you know, last year he had the groin injury and he played through the, my point is like, he plays through all that kind of stuff. Is he willing to do that though? If you're playing in a, you know, a middle tier bowl or, you know, whatever bowl for not for the national championship with his draft status on the line. Right. That'll be the question, I think. Speaking of draft status, I text, uh, I sent a text to Ryan, and he said that uh, Brandon Joseph is a mid-rounder right now. Okay. So, there you go. All right. Mid-rounder. So, And he also said he has a very interesting decision to make. So, yeah. he's right there with us. For sure. I think Ryan might be a guy we need to have on once we get into January and February. And, you know, March, we start doing a little draft talk. Absolutely. That's his deal, man. I know. That's his thing. That's how he got that's how he came onto the scene. Brent wants to know how many passing yards Drew Pine will have versus Navy. You know what, Brent? I'll just go just for you out there in Monterey. I'll go 101 for Highway 101. Runs right there. You know, that's right. 175. 175. Man, you you think he's going to just throw it all over the place? Huh? Well, I don't know if 175 is throwing it all over the place. But... Well, compared to last week, again, <laughs> when you don't even throw for 100 yards against Clemson. Well, I think he. I think there's going to be some passes forced into Michael Mayer because there isn't a midi out there that can cover Michael Mayer. That's for darn sure. That's true, too. And I also think that some of these wide receivers are going to get loose uh, because there isn't a midi out there that can cover Tobias Merriweather or Deion Colsey. And so I think it'll be... I think he'll get yards, and uh, I think there'll be some yards after catch, as Stymie says. And uh, I'll say I'll I'll set it at one seventy four point five, and I'll take the over. <laughs> That's your over under, huh? And you're going over. All right, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I think I can get good odds at that number. I think you could. Michael wants to know how good this offense could be with a quarterback that could be around sixty five percent in the passing game, and would this offense be top ten twenty? with the run game. I mean, I think we said last week, Drew Pine doesn't need to be the 72% passer, but he can't be a sub 50% right. passer, like to compete against a, a legitimate, well, <laughs> again, like throw out what I was about to say, because they just beat down Clemson without, know, right. you know, they were, I guess nine of 17, it's that's almost still a little better than 50%. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and that's, that's my point. 65%. That's all you need from this guy. He just has to be able And that's to who we thought Drew passes. Pine was. Yeah. Honestly. That mid 60s. He was soaring better than that for a while. Right. That's who he was. That that's who I see him as. Mid 60s, hitting your layups, taking shots downfield. That's Drew Pine. Right? But he just he needs to hit the layups and he's not yep. hitting the layups. And that's the problem. Yep. Too many times when he's got those shots and he's just not able yeah. to connect on them. Right. Too many times. That's what it comes down to. Do you feel confident at all talking about the commitment today? Well, I, I can talk about it in the macro. Okay. You know what so, I mean? So here's, here's a couple. Salty, fill in the blank. Carson Hobbs' commitment is blank. And then he says, 
with Hobbs in the 2023 class, are there any remaining gaps in personnel for the secondary? So that's about as macro, I think, as yes. And those those get. are perfect questions that I can answer both of those. I think yeah. the fill in the blank, I would say the beginning of a run. I think there's gonna be a nice little recruiting run here after the Clemson game, right? And this is the first one that was a direct, I mean, an absolute direct result of this past weekend. He decommitted yesterday. He commits today. Like, boom, boom, ba boom, boom, right? So I think that's going to be the beginning of a little bit of a run here. And then as far as the secondary in general, you add Hobbs, who is a 24, to the 23 class. Uh I will go with what I read from Brian Driscoll today on irishbreakdown.com about this young man and his impact on the team in that they have three, as long as they sign everybody that's in the 23 class, they have three classes, 21, 22, 23, where they have added a boatload of depth and talent. Now they can be selective. And they took Hobbs, they took his commitment now when they didn't need to take his commitment now. That tells me that Mike Mickens is very high on him. And it also tells me that while they can be very selective because of the depth that they've built, that they got this kid like that, that speaks, that speaks volumes to me, to be honest with you. So the secondary is doing just fine, specifically at corner. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't, neither one of us follows recruiting that closely. So, so my knowledge is, is basically around, what yours is. All I can say is, you know, Benjamin Morrison this year and the haul that they're going to bring in next year and adding this commitment, that secondary, huh. it's been so questionable for years and years yes. and years here. But I think we said this, like Saturday was the first time that Notre Dame had definitively better talent in its secondary than the opposing receivers of, you know, like a Clemson or Alabama or those kind of teams that they've played. Yeah. You know, and they did well against Ohio state and, you know, as well, they did really well. So mm-hmm. I, I think the future for this program is, is just looking really good with, with yeah. what they're getting in that recruiting in that secondary right now. Absolutely. All right. I wanted to get a couple more here before we get into rapid fire. There's a couple that I saw that kind of play into some stuff that we've got in rapid fire. And Scott was asking this, we were talking bowls earlier, any scenario at all where we could be matched up with LSU in a bowl game. There's a scenario. Yes. And I actually saw a specific one today. Okay. Stuart. And I took a screenshot of it that Stuart Mandel, had at the athletic i believe it's the gator bowl but i I don't want to steal well and i think that there's a chance there but like for where lsu is right now in terms of like they keep winning like if they had lost okay you know maybe to alabama i think the gator bowl probably would have been in play but here's what he said um okay for reasons i can't explain other than that's in a contract the acc would take the big 10 spot in the ReliaQuest bowl which is formerly the outback bowl in tampa against the sec lsu would need to slip past the citrus bowl and land there but notre dame is eligible for any acc bowl and could be the tigers opponent so the ReliaQuest bowl is a distinct but now that that you know that relies on LSU losing at least a game and, and Notre Dame sure. winning out probably and and that kind of stuff. Because there's only there's only two bowls that pair up an ACC with an SEC. It's right. the ReliaQuest Bowl that you mentioned and the Gator Bowl. That's it. Right. And those are both considered first tier bowls for the ACC. Right. So, yeah, that's absolutely possible. There's just. Notre Dame needs to have needs to be within one win of an ACC team that would fall into that bowl, and then they can steal that bowl. spot. Yeah. yeah, which makes ACC people happy, of course. I'm sure it does. But luckily, the ACC, once you get past a couple, then sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No. Uh, Father David Penny, dream bowl matchup this year for Notre Dame. Do you I have mean, a dream bowl matchup? Is it LSU? Like, you just do you want to see mean, it? I, I – there's part of me that does, and there's part of I me know. that wants no part of that circus. You know? I know exactly. I it's you know dream matchup. I I have three dream matchups. One, 
LSU, and this isn't any order. One is LSU, two is Michigan. Right. I'd love to play Michigan. And the third one would be just somebody they've never played before. Like, I, I do like that. I, I like when Notre Dame plays a team that they haven't played. I do not want that team to be Tulane. I want that team to be <laughs> a Power 5 team. Right. You know. Like but Ole I like Miss. Ole yes. Miss. Yes. Thank Bring you. on the Kiffins. I think that would be fun. You want to talk about a circus? That oh, would man. be a circus, my friend. But I well, think that would be it wouldn't be the same kind of circus as no. all the buildup with Brian Kelly, you know, no. one year removed from Notre Dame. That would be a different kind of circus, but a yeah. circus nonetheless. Yeah. I guess you could see if he slipped out of town before the bowl game came around or whatever. <laughs> Salty, true or false, the Clemson game is the game in which Colsey, Thomas, and Merriweather were promoted from spot players to mainstays in the on field. On field. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. True. Wide receiver unit. I mean, those, like are the, those are the three wide receivers that we saw predominantly in the game. I mean, Lorenzo Styles had 11 snaps. Uh, I don't know what the snap count was for Braden Lindsay, but it wasn't that many, right? These are the three guys that played the majority of the snaps. And that was one of the things that we talked about. That I was super happy about. They got the guys on the field that deserve to be on the field right now. And as much as I like Lorenzo Styles as a player, he's not playing well. He doesn't belong on the field. These three guys do. So I'm cool with it. Yeah. And I think that we're at the point in the season now where you would expect to see maybe kind of a changing of the guard when you talk about, got to do it, you know, like Colsey has finally arrived these right. last couple of games. And that's, yeah, that's good because Absolutely. he's, you know, he's a guy that was being dependent upon and, and I, I know we didn't talk about it yesterday, but Joe Wilkins deciding to leave the program, you know, there's like one more body yeah. that's gone. So there's only so many bodies that are going to get it. Obviously, Joe Wilkins was feeling like, must have been frustrated since all of a sudden Colsey is appearing and Merriweather is is out there more and you still don't see any Joe Wilkins. But right. that seems to be it. And, you know, we've seen less of Braden Lindsay over the last couple of weeks. So it 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 does appear that way. Yeah. And let's see if it continues. Yeah. Now let's hope, let's hope that it wasn't, you know, let's hope that it wasn't just a one gamer. Right. But I hope not. Right. Salty wants to know a, a, B or C did Vince do best in AP English, AP history, AP Greek mythology answer. It's a false choice as Vince did not take any AP classes. <laughs> First of all, that's harsh. Uh, second of all, I will say I did not take any AP classes because they did not exist oh, at, my, at my school. As if that was the reason why. I'm just saying there was no AP classes at my school. I took that's a good call, though. I can always fall back on that as well. Yeah. No, I didn't take any AP classes. No, I didn't. I took yeah. honors classes, though. So I did not. That was That's all they had back then. Back in the Stone Age of going to high school in the 90s. <laughs> 